Hello you guys, it's Katie, and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the disappearance case of Brandon Lawson, who was a 26-year-old man that disappeared in the middle of the night back in August of 2013. Brandon Lawson was born in Fort Worth, Texas on November 18th of 1982 to his parents Bradley and Kimberly Lawson and when he was growing up he grew up in a pretty big family but he seemed to have a pretty happy childhood spending most of it outdoors with his brother Kyle, other brother Billy, and sister Brittany. They all enjoyed fishing, camping, and he could not wait to have his own pickup truck as a kid. Brandon's junior year of high school, he met a sophomore by the name of Ladessa Lofton, and she and him started dating after he asked for her phone number, and they quickly became inseparable, and later on down the line, they ended up having three children, and she became the stepmother of his child from a previous relationship and they had been together for 10 years at the time of his disappearance. Brandon did have a problem with substances but he was clean for about six months before his disappearance. Now the day leading up to his disappearance he worked 60 hours at an oil field and that night he did not return home to his wife or girlfriend i'm not exactly sure what she was some sources i find say they were dating for the whole 10 years and some of the sources call her his wife so i apologize if i flip flop back and forth but just know it's the same person and um he did not return to their house that night after he was done working he didn't return back until the next evening to the family home and this prompted a fight with his girlfriend wife whatever she was at the time when he did finally return to their home on august 8th after the couple had this argument he ended up leaving the house just before midnight and he was pretty angry at the time He apparently also did not have much gas in his truck. His girlfriend said, quote, When he left, I guess he didn't have a lot of gas. I called my brother-in-law to tell him Brandon was going to run out of gas and put the gas tin on the porch to give him so he could go get him gas because he was pretty mad at me at the time, is what she said afterwards, I'm assuming, to investigators. Brandon did call his father at 11.30 p.m. to explain that he was driving to his house in Crowley, Texas, and Lawson never ended up finishing that three-hour drive because he did run out of gas on Route 277 at 12.30 a.m. on August 9th. He called his brother Kyle in a panic at this point, which caused Kyle to worry about his brother that maybe he was high and hallucinating at this point. 
Now, it is never made clear in any of the sources that I'm reading if maybe Brandon did relapse and if he was on drugs at the time, but I do know from my understanding that that's what the argument was about between him and his girlfriend because she thought since he did not come home the night before that that's what he was doing being out all night, but that was never made clear in any of the sources I can find whether or not he did relapse, but just because of the way he was acting, that's what his brother was questioning at the time. On the phone with his brother Kyle, he did say that three people were chasing him out of town, and he said that he was talking about, quote, the Mexicans in the neighborhood, so I'm not sure what that is exactly supposed to mean, but he did deny being high when his brother asked him if he was, And that's when his brother, his wife, and their four children went over to their house to get the gas can from the porch. And then they went to try to deliver him gas since he had run out of gas at this point. Brandon and his brother Kyle did end up being on the phone a couple different times. But Brian would always end up hanging up after just saying a couple of sentences and nothing was really making sense at the time. The main thing that is noted that he did say at one point on the phone to his brother is that he was bleeding, and then at 12.50 a.m., he does end up calling 911, and he tells the dispatcher that he isn't alone and that he needs the police. A passing trucker does see the tail end of Brandon's parked truck hanging over the white line of the road at 12.56 a.m., and that's when he calls 911 to report it, and then an officer ends up arriving around 1.10 a.m. to inspect the abandoned vehicle, just as his brother Kyle is pulling up while he is still on the phone with Brandon. At that time, Brandon told Kyle that he was right there and saw him arrive, but neither Kyle nor the police officer could see him which that is the part that is so interesting to me because where could he have been that he was still on the phone with him and said I see you but the officer or his brother couldn't see him like that's so crazy now I guess since the officer and his brother are not able to find him His brother Kyle is thinking maybe he's hiding from the officer because he doesn't want to get in trouble. Maybe he has relapsed or something like that and that's why he's hiding. So he goes a little bit farther up the road and waits for the officer to leave the area. And once the officer does leave the area, his brother comes back and starts to search for him. And at that point, all of his phone calls are going to voicemail He cannot get a hold of his brother at all, and he cannot find any sign of him at all. At this point, though, it's getting really late into the night, and I'm not sure exactly what Kyle's thought process is, obviously, but he decides that he needs to take his family home because they have the four kids with them and his wife, and he comes back at dawn to check again and see if maybe he has returned to his truck or anything like that. 
There is a quote from a deputy report that states, the only sign of anyone being in that area was a spot under a tree where it appeared that someone sat down close to the roadway within sight of Brandon's pickup that was broke down. Now, the Coke County Sheriff's Office towed Brandon's truck at 8 a.m. and noted that he also had some outstanding warrants for drug charges and had spent some time in jail before, which led them to believe that maybe Kyle was responsible for helping his brother vanish. But when he passed two polygraph tests, this theory was kind of thrown out and they continued to search for Brandon. They used all kinds of resources to look for Brian at this time. They used imaging cameras, airplanes, cadaver dogs, but found nothing. Even his girlfriend hired a private investigator with a team of 10 people and Kyle and his girlfriend kept both noting that he had people from the neighborhood after him, but all the investigators involved believed that he was just paranoid. Brian was officially reported missing on August 13th of 2013, and that was the same day that Texas Rangers conducted a helicopter search for him. His family ultimately creates the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page to receive tips as well as coordinate searches of the area where he vanished. Now, his family does admit that it is possible that he relapsed and possible that he was paranoid from being high at the time, but they say that he would never leave his children, leave his family. He wasn't the type of person, even when he was on drugs, to just abandon his family or try to wrong anybody to get money or drugs or anything like that. He was still an honest and true person, and he's did still work his day job whenever he was on drugs, all of that kind of stuff. So it is very out of character according to them for him to just disappear like that. And some other information to note is that he did have a new job lined up that he was supposed to be starting soon before he disappeared, which if someone is planning their own disappearance or planning to skip town or whatever, even if they're just planning to not come back for a little while, you would think they wouldn't have a job lined up that they also, according to the family, seemed excited about. As well as he did have a 401k that he withdrew some money from prior to his disappearance, but in my mind, that could be contributed to him possibly relapsing if he needed money for drugs. Now you guys, the next developments that we have in this case are almost 10 years later, which is crazy to think about you guys, but this was actually the beginning of this year, February 4th of 2022. There were actually some clothing found in the area where he disappeared that was identified to be his as well as a further search of that area led to the discovery of human remains, which is believed to be his remains. Now, all of the 
sites I can find information on still say that DNA test results are in the process of happening to actually release to the public to say whether or not it was his remains that were found. But all of this came out in like February and March of this year, so I thought there would be information, but I tried to find it and I couldn't. So I apologize that that is a little bit open-ended. But um, in my mind, I mean, really who else would have disappeared out there in that same area and the body would have been found near some of his clothing that was actually already identified to be his. So, you know, unfortunately it does seem like that was his remains. Now you guys, that is kind of the end for this case, which I know it is kind of unsolved. I mean, as far as them finding the body and stuff, we're pretty sure that it is his body other than the DNA test confirming it, but it still, was it just a mysterious disappearance or was there foul play involved? All kinds of questions that are still left unanswered for this case. Now, the two possibilities, at least in my mind, is either he did relapse and he was just really paranoid thinking that somebody was following him and that they were out to get him and maybe that's why he ran into the woods and then couldn't find his way back or something like that. And maybe it was like his brother Kyle was saying that he didn't want to come out for the police because he did have that warrant or he knew he was on drugs so he didn't want to come out while the officer was looking at his truck but then by the time the officer was gone maybe he got really spooked thinking somebody was still there following him and he ran into the woods and then couldn't find his way out I think is a possibility or the other possibility is that somebody was actually trying to harm him and was actually following him and he was not hallucinating and not on drugs or anything like that at the time. So it is kind of open-ended until maybe there is more of an investigation in the future or maybe they just rule this as a missing person accidental death type of case. I don't know you guys but it is a really interesting one that is definitely getting me overthinking. So you guys with this being the end of the case I am now just going to get into my crochet pattern feature which I'm really excited about because for this episode it is one of my own patterns. So if you guys aren't familiar with my regular crochet content that is not true crime related I am just Katie being creative on all social medias. I mean YouTube, Etsy, Instagram, Ribbler, TikTok, like pretty much everywhere you can think of. I'm just Katie being creative as all one word and Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E and recently I have been making Squishmallow patterns. So specifically the one that I'm sharing for this episode is the Mushroom Squishmallow pattern which is inspired by Malcolm the Mushroom that is made by the Squishmallow Company if you're familiar with Squishmallows and um, this pattern is available for purchase on my Ribbler and my Etsy shop and it is only $2.50 you guys and if you use my coupon code CRIME AND CROCHET in all caps 
as all one word on Etsy, you can get this pattern for 10% off and that coupon code does not expire. So whenever you're listening to this episode, you can go ahead and use that coupon code and you will get that 10% off of the pattern, which only saves you a couple cents, but still, in the long run, it adds up. Maybe you can buy some more yarn with it or something. So just so you guys know, I also don't just have the mushroom squishmallow pattern available. I also have the penguin, crab, bunny, and axolotl patterns available as of right now, as well as this Tuesday that is coming up. The Squishmallow Bee pattern will be released on my Etsy and Ribbler as well. And after Squishmallow patterns are released, they are 50% off on both my Ribbler and Etsy shops for three days. So if y'all want all of the updates on all of the Squishmallows, those are released every other Tuesday, as well as when the holidays are coming up. I'm planning on doing packs for Squishmallows, so all kinds of fun Squishmallow patterns and content will be coming up. And if y'all want all of the updates on that, Katie being creative, again, as all one word, Katie spelled K-A-T-I-E on Instagram is the best place for you guys to find all of that. And I do also, again, share the patterns on Ribbler and Etsy. Both of my shops are also Katie being creative as all one word, if you are interested in purchasing any of them right now. And again, just as a reminder, the code CRIME AND CROCHET in all caps will work for 10% off your order for the Malcolm the Mushroom Squishmallow. And if y'all are interested in making Malcolm the Mushroom, he does look super cute with all different colors as well as the pattern comes with the options to make heart spots or circle spots. And again, all of these squishmallow patterns are only $2.50 a piece. So that is all for this week's pattern feature. Again, that is at Katie Being Creative on Instagram and everywhere else. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Crime and Crochet. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, the best way you can help me out is to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening on, as well as if you do want to see more from me, you can always check me out on all of my social medias. They are either at Crime and Crochet or at Crime and Crochet Podcast. Either way, you're going to see the same little logo that I have on the podcast on all of my social medias as well, so If you see that, then you know you're in the right spot. As well as if y'all do want to see more crochet-related content and you didn't know, I am just at Katie Being Creative for all of my regular crochet content that doesn't involve true crime. So that is on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Etsy, Ribbler, pretty much everywhere. I am just Katie Being Creative as all one word if you guys are interested in checking that out. And with all of that, again, thank you so much for listening, and I will hopefully see you guys in next Sunday's episode of Crime and Crochet. And of course, as always, make sure y'all are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims we talk about every week. Bye, y'all!